Homeschooling isn't just about education. It's about your kids, it's about your family, and it's about a lifestyle. Hi, my name is Jackie and I'm the founder of Homeschool Think Tank. The Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast is about community, family, education, and life. I believe that these are the things that matter to homeschool families. Tune in each week and let's talk. I'll bring you a message from my heart, an expert interview, or an interview with the ultimate homeschooling experts, homeschool families like yours. Remember to check the link in the show notes below and you'll find an article that corresponds with this episode. Finally, remember to visit homeschoolthinktank.com for more information about how we serve homeschooling families. All right, let's get started with this week's episode. So today I am interviewing a homeschooling mom of four, Carrie Strong, and she is the author of You Can Homeschool. And we're going to be talking about all sorts of things, homeschooling, about becoming an author, and some of the stories that she's heard from other homeschooling parents. There will be a lot going on here. So Carrie, welcome (laughs) to the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, thank you for joining us at the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. And let's get started by finding out. I'm curious why you started homeschooling your kids. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I was one of those moms, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, that I thought I would never homeschool. I, I went to a public school and turned out just fine and thought there's no way because I'm super task oriented. And I thought even before I had kids, I would watch other moms. I'm like, I can't wait. And when I have kids, I'm going to be counting down the days until all of them are in school so that I can get my stuff done. So (laughs) I was just not at all. It wasn't even on my radar to homeschool, but I put my son, my firstborn. So when he turned five, my firstborn son, I'm like, okay, you're off to school. And he was probably the first one on the enrollment list. So (laughs) I was just like, there's no way I'm going to homeschool. I didn't even think about it. So um, I had done a lot of like preschool stuff with the kids and like even called myself a homeschool mom during their preschool years. But I was like, I'm not doing that beyond. So beyond the preschool years. So I put my son into a Montessori preschool. My mom was a Montessori teacher. And so I just, that's where I sent him. And I would, I dropped him off and there was just like this sinking feeling of, I'm sure like the first, I don't know. I just, I was, I was like in tears and feeling just really sad to watch him go. He was really small and he was walking away through this huge crowd of kids. And I was just like, am I doing the right thing? And I, it just, I was like, probably because most moms probably feel this way, but that feeling didn't go away. And I kept wanting my child back. So I would go and volunteer and I would watch him exert all of his positive energy during the day and then come home with nothing left for his family. And the same thing would happen with me. I would have all this positive energy for my other kids at home and he'd come home and he'd get the grumpy side of me. And I just thought like, I want, I want my son back. So I actually, um, like when I would go, was go to his classroom to volunteer, it was actually painful for me because I just wanted to take him home. So my husband and I, we started praying about it. And then all of these ideas started flooding my head. Like, what if I taught my kids out in nature? What if instead of pulling them out of life to learn about life, 
they would just learn it naturally. Like, what if I started cooking with them? What if we would just go to the store and naturally start buying things together? And I just had all of these ideas flood my head and thought, oh, I want to do this. And it was kind of like this grace fell on me to do it. It wasn't out of guilt or obligation or any sense of duty. It was just like, I'm going to homeschool. Like, and so we prayed about it. And the verse um, that says, teach us to number our days. I don't, I'm not exactly sure where that's found. Some proverb that says, teach us to number our days so that we gain a heart of wisdom came to my mind as I was praying. And I'm like, that's it. Like, I don't know how many days I have left with my kids. I have such a small window of time to influence them. And so both my husband and I were on board and we said, we're, we're going to do this. So I wrote a letter to the school and told them I'm pulling my son around Christmas time. I let him finish the semester. And, and he was excited about it. I was excited about it. And we've never looked back. Okay. So you said something that interests me. Your husband was totally on board. Yeah. And I don't think that's always the case. It's not like it's never the case, obviously, right. but yeah. not all husbands are on board. How did your conversations go where he was on board with that with you? Did you sort of arrive at this together or? I think he was more interested in homeschooling before I was, which is, I know, a very unique situation. Um, he was actually homeschooled himself. So in his mind, he was like, it's always been an option to me. I'm like, well, I was in the public school. I'm not going to do this. So when I told that I, I was feeling like I wanted to homeschool, he was just like, of course, like to him, it was just such a natural thing. So he must've had a good homeschooling experience then. He did. Yeah. His mom um, was very intentional about finding natural ways to implement different lessons. Um, and he, he remembers more from those years then he and his mom eventually ended up putting him in high school. Um, he went to a Christian high school because um, she got to the point where she could no longer teach him math. So she thought, well, you know, I'm just going to put them in school. But most of what he remembers or whatever he tells me is from his homeschooling years. And he says, like, a lot of the stuff that I learned in school, I don't even really remember. So isn't that interesting? Um, yeah. Can I ask, and if you don't want to speak for him, that's okay. I'm like, I'd love to interview your husband, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. does he wish he would have homeschooled through high school or is he glad he went to high school? I'm always curious. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think he wanted to, at the time, to go. Um, I think he wanted to go for the experience, yeah. the socialization, Just to but know. when he talks about it, like a lot of his experiences were not positive experiences. So it would be, I would be curious to ask him now, do you wish that your mom would have continued homeschooling? That's something I've never asked him. Oh, you're going to get off here and ask him today. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I was just curious about that. So you mentioned pre-interview that you were a classroom teacher. Am I remembering that correctly? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So what grades yeah. did you teach? I taught, so ironically, I don't have a teaching degree, but okay. the first year, so I moved overseas right after college. And for two years, I taught in the Dominican Republic. And the first year I taught a whole bunch of things that kind of just put me wherever there was a need. So it was French music, art, and Bible to middle school age. Okay. And then the second year that I was there, I taught second grade. So, okay. <laughs> it was, um, so you taught in a classroom, but you didn't have to have a mm -hmm. teaching degree there. 
So I'm curious about your experiences in the classroom Mm -hmm. and what you liked Mm -hmm. and didn't like about that and how Mm -hmm. you felt you, well, let's just start there. And then I have another question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so having never been a teacher, it was like my first year was just a whole learning experience of, and I mean, I learned completely from all of my failures of like what not to do. Um, it was a different culture and I had the same expectations on the Dominican children that I had of my own culture. And they were not used to the kind of structure that we have in the United States. It's much more laid back. Um, when you walk by the classrooms of, of a public school, it's it's almost like complete, what we would think of as chaos. In their mind, that's how it functions and works. But I was trying to mold them into my American way rather than trying to adapt to their Dominican way. So that first year was a struggle. Even with the language barrier, there was a lot of miscommunication that took place. So it was definitely uh, a very much of a I learned from my failures that year. What did you like better? Did you like how classrooms are in the United States better or the Dominican Republic? I like it here because I'm used to that. Um, Uh I'm not used to the chaos. And so it was hard for me to find how to work in that. And it sounds um, like you said already. You are very task or you're a very task oh, yeah. person. Yeah. I'm thinking probably a personality <laughs> type oh, A yeah. from what you said. <laughs> so yeah. um, so that was really difficult for you. But what yeah. do you think? How do you think the children learned better? I think well, they had a aside. Yeah, I they learned a lot better through relationships and I, I watched and observed them with their Dominican teacher and she just had a natural way with them, but it was, you could see that the children just loved her. So she took time first to develop relationships with these kids before she went straight to the textbook. And I think that that's where I went wrong was I didn't even really take that time to even outside of school, just get to know my kids. Um, and let them know first and foremost that they're loved and accepted um, before I had just been like, here's what we need to do. Here's all the tasks and let's well, get, I, yeah. I found it very difficult when, because I very much just connected with my kids when they were preschool mm-hmm. age, but as soon mm-hmm. as they turned five <laughs> and you feel like you're supposed to be doing school and mm-hmm. here's what school looks like. Here's mm-hmm. what education and learning look like in the yeah. United States. So you start trying to do that in your own home. And I found that I started huh. putting the curriculum before the connection with my children. And it yeah. really was not effective. Right. Yep. So I can yes, see where exactly. even in a classroom, that connection, I, my favorite teachers connected yeah. with me as a kid, yeah. you know, Absolutely. My, actually, my two favorite te- all, every favorite teacher I had were the teachers that read to us every day. Mm, those are my favorite teachers that's funny you say that because now that I look back I can see that yeah I can connect through books you You do connect you you Mm -hmm. talk about things and the teacher Mm -hmm. would ask you questions and so I think yeah um, I personally 
And this isn't because I've done everything so perfectly. It's mostly because I failed a lot. Right. But mm. I, I really think that the number one, your number one job as a homeschooling mm. parent is to stay connected with your child. And if you don't have a connection, right. establish that before you dive yeah. into curriculum. Absolutely. I mean, not to say yeah. you ignore that, but the connection should be priority. Mm-hmm. But, wow. Um, yeah. So when you started homeschooling your child, you bring him home from school. How did that look for you? What did a school day quote unquote look like? Yeah. Well, after I came back from the Dominican, I taught in a traditional American school. And so I was um, K through 12 Spanish and I just kind of took everything that I did at school or in the public school home. So Mm -hmm. initially I had, you know, the ABCs all up on the board and I had like my chalkboard and I had a desk and I, I mean, I still do. So let's just be honest, but like it's morphed and changed a lot to be more, much more natural, but initially it looked like a schoolroom at home. So that's kind of like, that's all I knew. That's all I knew how to do. I didn't know about Charlotte Mason. I didn't know about any of the different methods that were out there that were different from just the traditional method. I believe that's what most people do because it's what we know and what we're comfortable mm-hmm. with. Right. Do you yep. think that? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So how has homeschooling evolved for you? Yeah. It, you say a little more natural. Mm-hmm. What does a typical school day look like for your family? Yeah. Now? So I will, I'll talk about when I fell into my group because this is what I want my school day to go back to. This was like pre-COVID, pre a whole bunch of family drama. Um, since then, a typical day, like I just went through a pregnancy, just had a baby. So, I mean, it looked a lot different this year, but during that time, um, this was like my ideal situation where I still had um, the curriculum. I still had it there as a resource, but instead of it being where I was a slave to my curriculum, it now was a slave to me. It served me instead. So I would go through and use my curriculum as a, as a resource, like to give me ideas of things to teach. And then when I would teach them, instead of just like talking about them in the classroom setting, we would go out and actually experience them. So for example, if in my Bible class, we're talking about Noah that year, we went to go see the replica of, of Noah's Ark in Kentucky. Um, And that turned out to be just like, one of the best experiences, not just for my kids, but for me, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me through that experience. So that was just kind of like that year. It was like, even in our um, health class, it was like, here are the things that um, we need to have to have good hygiene, brushing your teeth, clipping your nails, brushing your hair, all those things. And then I was like, okay, kids, tell me what things are that we need to do to have good hygiene. They're like, I don't know. (laughs) So like, all right, let's march downstairs. We're going to cut your nails. We're going to brush your hair. We're going to take a bath. We're going to do all these things and, and make sure that you know what good hygiene is. So afterwards I'm like, okay, tell me what we do to have good hygiene. And then I could list everything. So it's just taking what you, I mean, you can't do that in a classroom. I can't, I can't take my students and physically go give them a bath and like cut their nails and wash their hair, but (laughs) you would be sued for that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, right. So now you've had a baby and you're sort of Mm -hmm. wanting to go back into where you're using the curriculum 
to help your family more than your family fitting their life into curriculum. Your curriculum right. fits into the, your family's life. Yes. Yes. Yep. And now in the meantime, you've also at some point started writing a book, right? I did. Yeah. And how did you even start with that? <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, like in 2020, we had found our groove or I'm sorry, 2019. And as soon as 2020 hit, it was like COVID. My dad had a stroke. My sister went through a divorce. We had all kinds of crazy things happen in our family. And um, I just threw school out. I'm like, we're just going to read, 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 read. And like my kids did everything on their own that year. Like the Lord just filled in the gaps for me because I couldn't be there for them the way that I had been before. And they had started doing it on their own. <laughs> so they were doing their math. They were doing their, their reading. But sorry, your initial question was, how did I get into a book? So that's that okay. Go there. Had, that's okay. Fine. Well, that, that year, my dad had a stroke. And we um, decided to sell our house and move out to Arizona to be with my parents because we didn't know how much time he had left. My sister and her husband live out in Arizona as well. And my sister had just had a baby. It was during when first when COVID first started. And she's like, Carrie, I don't want my kids in school, but I can't teach them because I just had a baby and I've never homeschooled and I don't know what to do. Like, help me out here. So originally this this started out as like, well, let me just give you like some quick instructions. Like, you know, I'm going to just outline some of the basic things about homeschooling so that you just kind of have like a cheat sheet and you can just take this and know the things that I wish I had known before I started homeschooling. So that's how it started. And then I just kept going with it. I kept digging deeper and deeper into like the different methods that are out there. And it just started to evolve into an actual book. So I went to a home or not a homeschool, um, a writer's convention a year and a half ago. So a year ago from January, I went to a, a writing convention and just to get ideas and to even see if something could come of this. And I met with a publisher there and he said, uh, Carrie, you have to double your word count. We don't publish books that short. So I was like, oh, okay. So that is what inspired me to go and start interviewing a whole bunch of other moms. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take this and run with it. And I ended up, I've always wanted to know what life looked like for other moms and just to step into their world and see like, am I missing something? What are they doing? And what ended up happening was it was just so fulfilling to me. And I learned so much in that process of interviewing all of these moms. And then that ended up doubling the word count of my book. So yeah. it was, yeah, I was very thankful for that experience. Um, I have to give credit to my husband because he played single dad that year. It was the year that my dad, my dad was really, really sick that year, had dementia. And it was kind of my outlet. Uh, it was my writing is my way of just being able to get some sanity back. And I feel you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that year, my husband would just be like, just go write. We need our mom back. So we know that when you're writing, you've got happy mom here. So you play single mom for that that whole year, single dad, I mean, and just let me write. And that's what I did that year. And I, it was just so fulfilling to even hear what other moms do out there. And yes. then my sister didn't even end up homeschooling. So, but <laughs> <laughs> she put her kids in school. And I was like, you know what? The Lord used that because like it inspired me to write this. And I wouldn't have never done that if you hadn't been interested in homeschooling. Yeah. 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 And that's, 
I I have found the confession hour here. <laughs> so, <laughs> writing a book, working on homeschool think tank, it like fills me up. It lights yeah. me up because I think so mm-hmm. often as homeschooling parents, we are so all about our kids and everything mm-hmm. is for the kids. Mm-hmm. And in a way, yes, all of what I do does serve my kids. But honestly, I do it because I love it. I'll keep doing this for mm. decades after my <laughs> kids are, I mean, my oldest is 18. She's done. And I'm not too mm. far off from done with my second. Like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's, I'm not going to quit. Like, I love this and I love interviewing people like you and mm. making these connections, but also writing, working on my website, working on a book, working right. on a podcast, whatever. Like, I like the creation mode mm-hmm. and you're, you're helping other people when you're creating, if you share it. Yeah, for sure. And I think it helps, helps us to be better moms when we, mm-hmm. we take a little bit of time for ourselves. Yeah, I just talked is. to yeah, I just talked to um the uh, not the nursery worker but the the children's coordinator at our church, and she mm-hmm. just told me this yesterday that she's like, Carrie, I just had to take time for myself this week, and I started doing crafts again, and it just helped recharge me to where I can come to church and do this and feel full instead of serving on an empty tank. Yeah, you you can't help anybody on an empty tank. Not very. Right. You might be out there and physically present, but your mind's not there. Your mm-hmm. attitude isn't where it needs to be. So you know, any mom, dad who's like the homeschooling parent, full time grandparent, whatever. If you're that person mm-hmm. doing the full time, you still have to take that time to recharge yourself. And at times, it can feel selfish mm-hmm. because you know your husband's out there doing it all. And at times it is selfish and I am being selfish because I need to take care of me sometimes, you Mm -hmm. know, but, but on the flip side, it is giving too, because then I come back in and I am full of excitement, life, whatever, but, you know, building this business while it hasn't done so quite yet in a large way, but at some point it will in a large way financially feed my family, you know, Mm. because I'm not building this with a short-term outlook. I'm looking at like a business that outlives me, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I Mm want to build, but, and it serves a lot of people in the meantime too. So you, there, and it's funny because like I was the last person you ever thought would start an online business or write a book (laughs) or any of those things but did you feel that way when you started writing your book I felt very um honestly I was embarrassed to tell anybody I was writing a book did you feel that way oh yeah I'm like who am I to write a book (laughs) (laughs) high five (laughs) yeah (laughs) right and I never even thought it would ever get published. It was like, I I feel like I can learn just as much from the people that I'm speaking to right now than they can from me. And I think that that's like, it's, it's humbling to know that like, there's a physical copy of this, like in my hands, like, yeah, hold it up. Let's see. it. It looks like this. There we go. There we go. Oh, and I like your cover a lot. I remember seeing it, but before when you emailed me, but yes, no, it is. It feels good. Doesn't it? Because you're like, wow, you took this thing. You're just sort of helping somebody out. It's an idea in your mind and you make it real. 
Mm-hmm. And you, you know, what? I felt that way too, Carrie, like, and I still can feel this way. Mm-hmm. Like, who am I to be talking to all these people? Like, sometimes <laughs> I just, I am in utter, like, disbelief at times, because there are so many people around the world listening to this mm-hmm. podcast every week. But you mm-hmm. know, you know who you are, you're a mom who stepped up to answer questions other people had to help other people. And that's, you know, I've come to decide that experts in this world are the people who will step up, who will Mm. push their fear to the side and just keep on going Mm. through it over and over. It's like doing the breaststroke through the fear. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah. and you like just, just keep swimming there you <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> I have to but tell yes. myself that all the time and yeah. and eventually if you keep down that path you do become an expert of sorts in some way or not another you know and but you're the experts are the people who will just keep going and mm-hmm. keep helping others. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think that is really natural to feel like, who am I to do this? And I'm, I'm really going down this path a little bit because I know there will be a day when I'm really wanting to help parents who want to start something, mm-hmm. an online mm-hmm. business, start something to serve other homeschoolers, other people, mm-hmm. even if they're not homeschoolers. And I want you to know in your mind, mm-hmm. like, these are things that really happen. You're like, well, who am I to teach this? Right. Who am I to tell other people mm-hmm. how to do this? And what you're not, you're not necessarily, I'm not telling anybody how to homeschool. I'm saying, here's a lot of ways that people do this. Here's a lot of stories you can listen to of how other people did it. Here's some ideas, take what you like and discard sure. the rest, Absolutely. you know, yep. but yeah it, yeah, it, it can be very daunting and it can be hard. So do you remember the first time you told somebody uh, that you were writing a book that maybe wasn't your husband and children. I, I do. It was my dad. Um, Uh he's no longer here, but he was my hero. He told me I could do anything. So (laughs) I, um, I mean, I don't have the great, I like to sing, but I don't have the greatest voice out there. He's like, you could go on American Idol. Like, I mean, he was just that kind of person. He would tell me I could do anything. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's, and it made it happen. Like he was my, he believed in me and was like, you can do this. And I think his voice still just stays in my head that if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And it, you just need to have the right encouragement out there. And my sister was also, my sister, Christine was also extremely encouraging too. She was like, I think your next step is to go to a writer's convention and just learn. I'm like, that is, that's the next step. Yes. And that's all yeah. you have to know is the step you're working on and yeah. the next step. The next one. Yep. You don't exactly. have to know all the steps. You yes. just, the next step. And now you're, you know, right. you're here on this mm-hmm. podcast with me as part of a next step of sharing your book, right? Exactly. So it's just, it's the next logical step, the next place to go. Right. And there could be yep. a lot of different pathways and steps that you could take, but you just have to choose one and go with it. Right. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Yep. So, so tell me a little bit more about, how did you work in the time? So your husband really filled mm-hmm. in a lot. It sounds like, mm-hmm. did you have certain times of the day or did you become like obsessed? <laughs> like I did at some point. Oh yeah. There were <laughs> definitely times I it was normally in the evening. Um, usually after the kids would go down for a yeah. couple hours. Um, so it wouldn't be too crazy for him. 
Um, cause uh-huh. he would like to do his own thing, read books or do whatever. So it was just kind of both of our downtime that I used to write the book, but there were definitely times where I would get an idea in my head in the middle of the night. And I'm like, I got to write this down before I lose it. And then it would be like 4am <laughs> before I'd get to bed. So the next morning, my husband would be like, why are you so tired? And I'm like, well, I have a confession to make. Oh my <laughs> gosh, confession hour. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's when my, uh, when my husband is out of town. Oh my gosh, I can stay up dang near all night long. I can just stay <laughs> up and stay up and stay up. And I've gotten much better because I'm like... I really do value sleep, but there are some times Mm -hmm. where, especially if I haven't felt like I've been able to really immerse myself in my work, because, you know, as a mom, there's all these distractions and, oh, you got to take the kids to this and this and this. And one daughter, I'm done driving around, but the other one, I'm still driving around. She's getting close to driving. Yeah. I'm still doing all the driving and getting her here and there. And so it's, it's very, it can be very difficult to just be like Mm. in your own head, which is where Mm -hmm. you need to be when you're writing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So you, you found time to write your book. You went to a writer's convention. When did you actually publish? Last January is when it came out. So it's been 22 or 2022. Okay. So you published in January and that, that excitement, there's nothing like it, huh? Whole new no, it, it seemed very <laughs> surreal. It yeah. still doesn't seem real a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. And so what are your next steps from here? Are you, are you just out to just keep sharing just the book or do you, is there something else you want to do? Well, um, right now I'm just trying to cherish the time with my infant. So I didn't yes. do a whole lot after the book came out. I just kind of let it sit. And um, if people asked for it, I would, I would just give it out. And I bought like a whole bunch just so that I could just give them out to people whenever they asked for it. Yeah. And that's really what I want to do is just, oh, you're, you're homeschooling and you there don't know you anything. Go. Oh, you're like where I was. So here, this is just a, like, it's a yeah. quick read. Um, uh-huh. Cause we don't have time as moms to read really, really big, thick books, or at least I don't, I'm not a quick reader. So I was just able to do that. And I just kind of sat on it for a while. And my daughter's only, she's not even three months old yet. So my, uh, the company Westbo, who I published with, uh, has called a few times. They're like, so what's your plan for, you know, getting the word out there. And I'm like, well, nothing right now. <laughs> I just kind of let it sit and just kind of taken whatever steps come in front of me and handed it out when I have opportunities. Um, but my husband had the idea. He's like, well, you should contact podcasts. And I was like, you know, I think I would actually really enjoy doing that. Cause I, you can do it from home. It's fun. I like talking to other, other people about what we're passionate about. So why do you think uh, I keep interviewing? <laughs> I, I, I love it. I took, yeah. I, I started early on in the podcast with quite a few interviews and I was pretty terrible at it. So I took a long hiatus. I mean, <laughs> I put in a few interviews there, but I recognized I just needed to get good at podcasting on my own for a while. So I did that. And now I'm mm. definitely, I'm interviewing a lot of people. Like I think I told you today, I did four interviews. Yeah. You know, so I am interviewing a lot now because I feel like, okay, I'm finally ready for this again. I've simplified things and made it easy for myself, but, um, but I do, I really love visiting with people like you and just helping parents connect with the homeschooling resources that they need. So mm-hmm. 
I want to ask you a little bit more about your book. So what it, you can homeschool, you sort of go into the ins and outs of homeschooling. I'm assuming, am I right? Yes. I haven't read it yet. I haven't Mm -hmm. actually got my hands on the copy yet, but what was your favorite story from one of the other parents that you interviewed in there? Oh man, so many pop up into my head. Um, The first one, I'll just tell you, her name is Michelle. She does classical conversations. So I have an interview for each of the different methods that are out there. So you've got your online, traditional, Charlotte Mason, Montessori, Waldorf, all all the different methods. Uh, Unschooling. So I even have a chapter written by my friend, Megan, who wrote the unschooling section in the book. So man, I could pick, I don't even know which one, but I'll start with Michelle. She does the classical uh, approach and she has nine children. So she's been doing this for a while. She has three grandchildren who are the same age as her younger kids. So she's, she had lots of kids, lots of experience. And I just learned so much from her about the classical approach. It wasn't one that I was doing with my kids, but I had started implementing just different ideas of the classical approach into mine where like the chanting and the singing to kind of at the younger ages really get those concepts in your head but she talked a lot about her different kids and their reading levels and how they all read at different times she had one kid who was ready at age four and another kid who was ready at age nine so she just has these wide varieties of children who have learned to read at different times And she really learned early on not to push her kids before they were ready. And that to me was like so enlightening and so relieving that I didn't have to worry if my seven-year-old wasn't ready to read, I could let her read when her brain was ready to read. And I've learned that whenever I try to push my kids to do anything before they're ready, it backfires on me. And it actually stunts them from really moving forward. So her story was just so inspiring to me that she's able to just let that go and just say, we're, um, I'm not going to introduce concepts until my kids are ready for them. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think you were listening to a, an interview. You mentioned it to me in an email that was all about uh-huh. that with Mary Gallagher yeah. from yeah, Child so to Read. And we talked a lot about that, that, yep. you know, because you, I think you do so much feel that pressure of like, this is what's grade level. This is what's grade appropriate. I, my kid should be doing this. And right. I feel, this is the other part. I'm a failure as a mom. If they're not uh, right. <laughs> and you're not, you're not a failure like I fell out of my mouth there because I felt yes. it. Right. You feel like if your kids aren't getting it, you're failing. Right. But are you, are you failing? No. And that to me was just like, I'm not a failure. And that is something we all need to hear all the time that our kids are unique and they're different and it's okay. It's okay. If your kid, I mean, even I've heard research done that shows that the brain sometimes is not even ready to read until age 12. I mean, that sounds really dramatic. And I, but she's had, I mean, but even the reading part of your brain, it, it doesn't even fully develop until between ages seven and 12. And so I, I think when we try to push things too soon, we're actually doing ourselves a disservice, but we do it because we're trying to keep up with prestige. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. My kids were young. Sometimes I just, I felt so frustrated in various things and let's take soccer. 
as an example. All these moms were signing their kids up for soccer at age three. Now I have a degree in physical education. I'm thinking this is ridiculous. This is not necessary. What is the rush? But really, what is the rush? Why do they need to be on a soccer field? All they need is a ball in the backyard. Mm-hmm. That's all they need. And maybe a, a playmate to kick it right. around with. They're actually yeah. going to develop far more skills kicking a ball around with one kid than with, you know, how many kids are on a soccer team? I don't even remember. <laughs> but, you I'm know, and, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, but sometimes I think, as a parent, we can tie up our own identity and especially as a homeschooling parent mm-hmm. and our children mm-hmm. and our children's success is our success. Right. Yeah. That's not guilty of that. And there's <sighs> a difference between ignoring your child and not even like reading books to them. Of course, they're not going to learn how to read when you're not even reading books. Right. That's neglect mm-hmm. versus you're sitting there reading books to your child. You're pointing at the words. You're helping. Maybe mm-hmm. you feel like your kid should be learning this. So you're going out and you're figuring out a few more things to help your child learn, but they're still not picking it up. That to me, that just is like, they're not quite ready. Mm-hmm. You know, now there could yeah. be something like dyslexia, which there's a good interview on the podcast about that, mm-hmm. that, you know, where maybe there are some things that you need to take into consideration, but Mm-hmm. When you take all those things into consideration, if they're just not ready, they're just not ready. And that's okay. Right. And it doesn't yeah. mean you failed as a mom if your kid can't read at three or at five or at six, even. Right. You know, like right. you, mm-hmm. you just keep keep presenting. And it's sort mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's like they're not failing if right. it, like it's and you're not failing as a mom. Like you're you're trying and you're, you're giving, you're, you're providing opportunity. That's what I'm trying to say. If you're yeah. Providing the opportunity and it's not sinking in. It's okay. Just keep mm-hmm. providing the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And what I appreciated from your podcast that we were referring to um, teaching children to read through storytelling is that it's um, it's okay. It's, it's okay for them to go at that, that's that pace. And um, honestly, I can't remember what I was going to say about that. I just, there, I really appreciated that and just kind of reinstilled the fact that like, it's okay that my, oh, that's what it was, that um, look for progress, not necessarily, um, I remember exactly how you phrased it, but look as long as they're progressing, mm-hmm. they don't have to necessarily be at this level, but that just is so relieving to me. Like, okay, yeah, she's making little steps and they're little right now, but they are steps forward. Yeah. And that to me, that, that can be encouraging. Carrie, how long did it take you to write your book? It took a year. So, and your book was longer than mine, I think, but it took me six months. And then after I lost it, it took me another five months. And, mm-hmm. but it, it's sort of like, it doesn't matter. We were both progressing, right? That's right. the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't yeah. matter if it took you a year in somebody else four years right and me six months but then it took way longer to get it out there because I kept mm-hmm. editing it and editing it and editing mm-hmm. it and I can look back now and go I was procrastinating with perfectionism I was scared which is why it went through ridiculous numbers of edits 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I can relate to that. Mm. And, and in some areas, I just sort of stripped the life out of it, you know, like, Aww. you know, well, you know, you, you learn yeah. it's, and it still serves. It still is helpful to people, but I was scared. I was scared to put myself out there. Right. So you, uh-huh. but it, it's okay. Mm. You keep going. You just keep going yeah. and you keep making those steps. It doesn't matter how long it takes as long as you're yeah. progressing. And you right. know, and if that's what you want to be doing as an adult, but I look at us as adults and we are not all standing around going, okay, you're 32 years old. You should be doing this. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you should be doing this, you know, right. It's like, yeah, you're kept in this little cage of you should do this, this, and this. Okay. Now that you're 18, you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> you <know>? like, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't get it. It's, it's like, we want, I don't know. Sometimes I look at our educational system and what we expect of our children. And it's like, we want diversity everywhere in the world, except in education. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's a good point. That. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why, why can't we have Mm. diversity in education? Yeah. Do we all have to learn the exact same things? What a boring world. Why, you know, like I Uh, can look at my sister and she is just so creative. I, the girl, she can make the most beautiful cakes. She makes, she should be a card writer for Hallmark. I mean, like she should have her own Hallmark actually, you know, she, (laughs) she just, she's amazing creatively struggled in school struggled Mm -hmm. because she didn't excel in what they wanted her to excel Mm -hmm. in which school was created to create good employees Mm -hmm. so your math your writing but the drawing all that artistic stuff just didn't matter right you know yeah so she struggled why couldn't there be diversity in education why couldn't she feel like a rock star as a kid exactly and that's what we need to do as parents is keep our kids feeling like rock stars in their own lives. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah I guess, I mean, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, there's, it's sad that I feel like there's one way that children are assessed in the school and that's through test taking. And it's like, if you don't do well on this test, then you're a failure at life. And it's, it's, I was a terrible test taker. Yeah. I mean, I got get anxiety around it. It does. Oh, I do. I got like an intelligence. I won't even say, but Go ahead. My, oh, my ACT scores were terrible. Like I couldn't get into a college because my test scores were awful, but I could get a 4.0 in school. And it was just the way that we assess children is just so narrow when it's like, there's, I think we miss out on all of the, um, like you were saying, like all the gifts and skills that our kids really have, if we're only like testing them in this one little way. Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember, um, when my daughter was younger, there was another girl that she was acquainted with and the girl could play piano beautifully. Now she was probably good at mm-hmm. all sorts of other things. I have no idea what her academics were like, but what I know is that kid could have just played piano for the rest of her life and done just mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> like, have the basics <laughs> and some other things. And she was just amazing, you know? And you meet people like that. We're like, yeah, so talented, but maybe it's not what the school system wants. And as parents, I think we need to recognize that in our mm-hmm. own homes as we educate mm-hmm. our children. Yes, they need basic skills here, here, and here. Right. But let's also look at the gifts that they have and help them really strengthen those. Yeah. 
Well, I just realized a few minutes ago, we are really <laughs> up against the time here. Are there any, um, well, first of all, let me tell our listeners, you can get Carrie's book, uh, you can homeschool, drop down to the show notes, you'll find a link to the book and we'll direct you in the right place. Um, homeschoolthinktank.com slash interviews. You will find Carrie's Carrie's book on that on that page, a little bio about her and any links that we want to include in that. But if you could share one message, just like one parting thought with other parents, what would you say to them? Let's say a parent, you're you're really your book is geared to parents who want to homeschool. So let's send this message to mm-hmm. people who aren't homeschooling yet. What do you want to tell them? Um you are enough. You are capable. If you are um, being put in charge, you've been gifted with these children and uh, the Lord has stewarded you with these children and that's all you need. You are enough. You can do it. If I can, you can. Um, I was actually going to retitle the book. If I can do this, so can you, (laughs) because um, you don't have to be a professional teacher. You don't have to be a writer. Um, if you love your children and you want the best for them, I believe that you can succeed at homeschooling and you don't need to know everything that there is to know out there to homeschool or to get started. There are, um, my book is the few things I wish I had known before starting, but I started before I wrote this book. So you don't even have to have that. So I just, I, I just want to be able to give confidence to those parents that if you feel like homeschooling is what you want to do that, yes, you can do it. And there are are great resources out there. You're enough. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And you can homeschool. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you titled it that way. You can homeschool. So Carrie, thank you so much for being my guest on the podcast today. I am delighted to have you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. I want to say thank you for listening to the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to follow this podcast and share it with a friend. Remember to check the show notes for a link to the article that corresponds with this podcast episode. In this article, we'll include any links that we mentioned in this episode. And remember that you can search all of the Homeschool Think Tank parenting podcast episodes at homeschoolthinktank.com.